for suit? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Well, I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. What's up and welcome everyone back to Oral Pleasure, our fourth ever episode. I'm Billy Rutledge along with Miles Morton and Clay Abels, the podcast for the short attention span. Oral Pleasure is posted every Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, all of the podcast sites. Guys, how you doing on this Wednesday afternoon? Awesome as always, man. Gonna hit the bass game up later today. 25 cent whatever food or eating. 25 cent hot dogs. That yes. may be the best deal in the state city oh, yeah. of Louisville. I'm going to be fat today. I'm loving it. Clay? It's a, it's a fun time, but a busy time because we're about to start football season and also for me, out of the three of you guys, I'm the last one in school here, so I got to get back to school, which is not going to be fun at all. Uh, we have both graduated from Western Kentucky, I haven't seen the so degrees. we do not feel for you, IU man. Right? Yeah, I don't know what IU is. I'm a top of IUS, first of all. Let's start off with that. I was an IU before, but now a member of the IUS community, so... Um. Yeah, I don't know if that's that's probably not as good. But our fourth episode, we got a lot to talk about, including the sounds of the week at the end of the episode. If you've missed that, make sure you stick around for the last two to three minutes where we break down the best sounds of the week. We're going to talk a little bit about Josh Hader, maybe a, a little bit about that 19-minute R. Kelly song. But, Miles, what do we have up first? Uh, a little ticked off of myself, for sure. Had a chance starting that back nine to to do something and I didn't do it. Uh, I thought today starting at the day, I saw that Jason played a beautiful round early. Um, Brooksy played a, another solid round today, and I thought that uh, thought nine would be the number. You know, there's three guys at nine. I figured one of the three guys would shoot even par. Uh, I know it's tough out there, but I figured I needed to go get that number somehow. And, uh, you know, next thing, lo and behold, I'm, I'm tied for lead, and then I'm leading it. Well, I mean, I hit the ball better on the range, which gave me some confidence because I didn't feel like I've been swinging it very good this week. So, And then playing with Phil, those two things gave me something to go out there with, honestly. And um, I was a little hungover, I won't lie. I had too much to drink last night. And, uh, you know, I was so frustrated with yesterday that today was really, I'm not going to say a write-off, but I, I didn't feel like I was in the golf tournament. And... Whether I shot 69 or 73 today, I, I wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't have been heartbreaking. But um, as it happens, I shot 67. So, uh, you know, it's a um, funny game. Yeah, I've, I flinched. Um, but I've had things like that happen a lot in my career. Because, you know, people are just trying to time it. Either, either that or they're a little bit overserved. You know, they've tipped back a few and it's late in the day. Um, Unfortunately, that's that's part of you know what we have to deal with you know in today's game. Uh, people are trying to yell out things, trying to you know, be on TV or be in social media or whatever it may be. Um, that was that was too close to to the game of play. And the champion golfer of the year is Francesco Molinari. It's a slow time for sports in the summer, but this past weekend, I had goosebumps. Tiger led on the back nine of a major. The comeback is almost back, and everyone flocked to their TV set to watch the final round of the British Open. Tiger Woods finished in the top ten of a major for the first time since 2011, and I know you guys tuned in for at least a little bit of it, right? Okay, so soccer's over, so we're fake caring about golf now. That's All right, Billy, I there we go. I care about golf very deeply. All right. 
But seriously, Tiger Woods, maybe not the sport of golf is popular, but Tiger is very popular. And I think he has to be the biggest superstar in sports besides LeBron James. He has the biggest marketing impact of any athlete to take it from, what, a uh, .5 rating for the final round of the British Open to the best ratings in 18 years, up 37% from 2017. It's the Tiger Woods effect, and America is obsessed with him. He is the only player I know that can actually lose, and everybody still loves him to death. He has actually lost everything from it, like sponsors, relationships, all that, and everybody still loves him. And I feel like he is... Are and I hate to say this, and I know people are gonna be mad. I feel like he's the OJ Simpson of our generation hmm. because he has done things that are just morally unethical. He has done things that really just put a bad taste in your mouth once you like start talking about all the things that he did. He was a womanizer, he cheated on his wife, and things like that. But for some reason, he's just so likable, and there's such a mystique about him yeah. that everybody is still drawn to Tiger Woods even if he's not successful in golf. And I mean, I know he's doing great now. He's doing decent. But my thing is, he still hasn't won. And I'm from West End, Louisville, so we got a thing. It's great to show up, but until you win, I want him to see him win a Masters. I'm not going to get on this train until he actually wins a Masters. Well, it's a major. Or a major. He could win the Masters. There we go. So, that would be fun to watch. The Tiger Woods, it seems like it's a three-act play, and we're in the third act now. We had the dominant Tiger that came in and he just swept away the golfing world. We had the fall of Tiger Woods with the eight iron to his Cadillac into the tree. And now it seems like we have the comeback. And Clay, I think America, if they what they love most is a comeback story. They do. And it's, you know, Miles made the analogy to uh, OJ Simpson. I'm going to actually go out of, well, still in sports, but the analogy I would use for Tiger Woods when he first started is he was like Secretariat. He was this unstoppable force that. We've never seen before in a sport. We've never seen somebody dominate a game like Tiger Woods did from about 1998 to around 2003. He was the greatest at really any sport we've ever seen. Nobody's had a run like that before. Then, obviously, he fell off the cliff, You know, didn't play as well. Plus, he had the back and the knee injuries and the whole thing going on with his wife. Now it's kind of the John Daly story. Here's the super talented golfer who everybody's just trying to push back to the top. We all want Tiger Woods to be just a, a slimmer of what he used to be. And we got a taste of that this weekend. For example, when I woke up, up woke up on Sunday, my friend who I was over at his house came out yelling out of his room and said, hey, Tiger's in the lead. So everybody just flips the TV on. I think we were on hole 11. Right. He may we, not even be a golf fan. Exactly. And he's not a golf fan. And it was just one of those things where for about an hour and a half, the end of the tournament, you're just watching every shot of, okay, what does Tiger have to do here? Can he get it out of the bunker? Can we, you know, how's he going to do against a, a, the other competition? Can Spieth make a run? And he's just, I think the reason he's so polarizing is because, one, he's not like every nor other normal golfer in the sense that in the past we've seen he's kind of the first guy to start throwing clubs and cursing and being a little bit different from the standard, you know, country club. Right, he's very unique in that sport. He's very unique, and you know, he's the first superstar black golfer we've ever seen. We've never had one really before on his level. And the third is going back to the superstar part. He was the guy who was literally when we first saw him perfect in the sense of he was the best golfer. And what came to be his downfall was he portrayed himself as the perfect family guy, super professional. You know, I drive Buicks. I'm all about being a you know superstar. Oh, he was a global icon. Yeah. Glo he was the first global golf icon, even over Jack Nicholas. And when he crashed, we just didn't know how to take it because he was so great for. I mean, think about it. He from '96 when he won that first Masters till I guess it was around '08 is kind of when he fell off. I mean, he literally dominated the sport 
for 12 years. We didn't even talk about Phil Mickelson, and he might want to be the 10 greatest golfers ever. Yeah, that's true. Tiger Woods finishing tied for six in the British Open at Carnoustie. Minus five under in Scotland last weekend. Francisco Molinari ended up winning it at minus eight under. He was the first Italian to ever win a major in the sport of golf. Tiger Woods shot that five under 66 on Saturday. Everyone got excited. You knew the ratings were going to come on Sunday. And that Sunday red that Tiger wears, that may be one of the best things in sports. You have the national anthem before a game in a baseball game. You have Tiger Sunday red coming out. It is something that intimidates people, I believe, and it's something that when I saw it last weekend, it was it was nostalgic. I felt at home. It felt like it felt right for Tiger to be there. It felt like 2006, you know, it was like a, a rewind to to our youth. But I want to pose this question to you guys here as we've heard so many times. Even going back to the most recent was I think the Valar the Open earlier this year where Tiger came in second. And really the past 5 years, every like couple months we've heard Okay, Tiger finished like 18th. Is he Tiger, back? Is he yeah. back? So I'm going to pose a question now. This is the first time he's played well in a major since his initial comeback uh, after the uh, the car accident where he finished in the top five at the Masters. This is his best finish in five years. Is Tiger Woods officially back? Or is this just a one-hit wonder? He finally caught fire at a course that he's done well at before. I mean, where's our opinion on that? In 2018, he's had 12 starts and four top 10s. This is what he wanted. He wanted to get starts under his belt. He wanted to compete at majors. And he's not only competing, he's ma- he was in the lead on the back nine in the final round. I think Tiger is exceeding his own expectations. It's our expectations that I think are astronomically high. And we want him to break that Jack Nicholas record. He's stuck at 14 right now. He's been there for a decade. That's exactly what I'm talking about. When people ask, is he back? I said this, did he win? When Tiger wins, he's back. Because Tiger... Back in the day, wasn't, oh, I'm top 10. Oh, I made it. Oh, I'm so close. I was number two. Tiger won. The reason why Tiger even got people like me who could care less about golf to watch it was because I'm like, there's no way this dude keeps winning. He was LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and Michael Jordan of a golf course all wrapped into one. So when Tiger Woods starts winning, like when Tiger Woods starts winning the same way that I breathe, that simply – that's when he's back. Oh, that's what he was doing in the 2000s. Exactly. And he may never be that dominant force again, but I do think after this showing, he does win another major. But closing up this topic, and before we go to the next one, I want to bring up this point about Tiger Woods. If Tiger Woods is able to complete the comeback, if he's able to dominate the sport, fall from grace, and then able to win majors again, and eventually get close or surpass Nicholas's record, do you think he will be the most influential and famous athlete to ever live? No, I don't think he's the most... I think influential is the right word because he didn't get a whole lot of people to go out and play golf, I don't think, necessarily. But what he did do is he got... I mean, he's worth what? I think they said like nearly 50% of the viewers are Tiger Woods. So in terms of getting people to watch, I don't think we're ever going to see anybody like that uh, in terms of television Marketability, status. I would the say, The only yes. guy that's in his category, category is Jordan. That's the only one where you look back at those NBA finals at the end of his career, it was just, it was all Michael Jordan. I mean, they were blowing the ratings through the roof. So I think he could be the most influential in terms of bringing people to watch the sport. My only question is for him, though, is Michael Jordan was able to carry that over. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, they brought the NBA back. Jordan took it to another level. And then once he dropped off, he had guys like Shaq and Kobe and, now LeBron's come in that have been able to keep the game alive and going. 
My issue is with Tiger Woods is he's going to be great for his era, and he's going to do more than anybody that's ever been on a golf course and maybe in sports to bring fans to the to the television viewings. But are people going to stay after him? I don't I don't know if we're going to keep watching golf like we do if Tiger Woods, even if he has another comeback, I don't see us. We'll watch as long as Tiger's around, but once he leaves and retires, I don't think he's going to have that same influential role. And I want to ask Miles that same question, but when I say that question, two names come to mind. One, Muhammad Ali, which is an entirely different category. We're talking about social change. We're talking about a much more bigger impact than just bringing in eyeballs to a television set. And another one is LeBron James. LeBron has really made the NBA the powerhouse that it is today in popularity and rising in not only America, but in China and in different nations across the, uh, across the world. LeBron James is that pinnacle of stardom in sports. And I think Tiger Woods is right there. And if he was able to make that comeback, he, you could make an argument that him and LeBron are those two athletes. Would you say that, Miles? I think the key thing is marketability, though. Like, when you talk about the most influential I used to work in a shoe store. Michael Jordan, when a shoe came out on a random Friday, I would see people literally spend what looked like their life savings. I've seen people spend $2,000 in cash for multiple pairs of shoes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying that to be influential, you have to be able to push a product all the time. Tiger's great, don't get me wrong. And he has a very big hype, but I feel like you're not going to touch Jordan. It's, that's just not going to happen. As far as LeBron goes, as you just said, he's very extremely international. The things with Michael Jordan, LeBron, and even Muhammad Ali, they can touch everybody, even the people that don't care at all about basketball. People that don't care at all about basketball can riddle off Michael Jordan's stats and LeBron James's stats, people who don't even watch it. Tiger Woods, he's up there, don't get me wrong. I would put them up there with probably a – Possibly like a Yao Ming, even a Kobe Bryant. Oh, give me a break. I'm for Yao real. Ming, He's, get out of no, here, No, no, tell me. Do you know how big Yao Ming is? In Yao China. Ming, no, I says Yao Ming is honestly, I wouldn't say single-handedly, but he's one of the biggest reasons why basketball blew up in China. He's one of the reasons why Stefan Mulberry has a statue in China. Yao Ming made basketball that big in China. It's to the point now people in China are watching LeBron, Kobe. LeBron James... LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and even Tiger Woods. My question is this with Tiger, can he get people all over the world, people who really don't care? I want to see kids in China hyped about Tiger Woods. I want to see people in Brazil hyped about Tiger Woods. That's what I think of when I think about influential. You mentioned Muhammad Ali. Even though it is on a different spectrum, you say that name, everybody knows it. Now, I'm going to sound a little ignorant here I'm not because I don't know for a fact, but I don't think... He is on the same worldwide scale as a LeBron or a Michael Jordan yet. But I do feel like if he does break Phil Mickelson's record, he can get there. I think you'd be surprised if you looked back before the fall of Tiger to see how popular he had become. You'd see the boom of golf courses being created in the United States. And internationally, he was making public speaking appearances. But Tiger Woods, I think he's starting to become up there. And do uh, you think he wins a major in the next year? I do. I think he'll win a major. If it's going to be the one he wins, it's going to be the Masters because that's where he's consistently played the best. I don't think he'll get a U.S. Open, but there's just something about Tiger at the Masters. Obviously, this year did not pan out to be what he wanted, but it was his first tournament back in God knows how long. So, I th yeah, I think he's got a good chance. All right, what do we got next, Miles?
Park. It means a lot, you know, um, you know, having the Milwaukee, Milwaukee support and, um, you know, just knowing that they know my true character and, um, you know, just forgive me for my past because, um, you know, that's it's not what, um, it's not who I am today. You know, focusing on my job, um, you know, not trying to let uh, anything in the past, you know, haunt me and uh, not be a distraction. That sound courtesy of ABC News Radio and Josh Hader, the 24-year-old pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, made headlines last week during the MLB All-Star Game. While he, after he came in for a start, people on the internet found racist and homophobic tweets that he made when he was 17 years old, and uh, people seemed to get upset, but it seemed to blow over, his teammates had his back, and the story really blew up when he started again on Saturday, and the Milwaukee Brewer fans gave him a standing ovation. That's no what you way. heard in the sound. So that I pose this question to you guys, and we'll get into the bigger conversation of tweets and people's youth, and if we should still you know, punish them for that. But man, what a weird reaction by the Milwaukee Brewer fans. What are they clapping for? I mean, this is an embarrassment of racist and homophobic tweets and people are applauding it. What are they applauding here? Yeah, look, when he first apologized uh, to the media, I didn't really have a problem with his teammates standing up for him. That's his teammates' decision. If they if they like the guy and they're like, look, we've been around this dude for a couple of years. That's not who he was. He was a young kid. He made some not mistakes. Not who he is today. Right, not who he is today. He made some mistakes when he was a yeah, teenager. Okay, fine. I'm, I'm good with the teammates doing that. But I don't understand where we've gotten to this point in society where if you make mistakes and you don't apologize for them, you get a standing ovation. That's just kind of what human decency is. If I screw up, and I do something wrong to Billy and you know I talk trash about him or whatever it is and I apologize to him. Billy shouldn't be like, "Man, you're great job, man." Like it's it was my mistake in the first place. And I understand the Brewers fans. I think part of it's a political thing because especially in that area of the country being in Wisconsin, I think there's certainly a lot of people out in that area. They're Trump supporters and go down the political lines and you know there's this big demographic uh, you know, I guess di- dichotomy is the right word to use where we have all these people that think we're too hard on social media and that everybody's watching everybody's words. And then there's other people that think that we're not hard enough on social media. So I think there's a lot of people like, hey, this is our guy. We're going to support him. Screw you guys for going back and looking at his tweet seven years ago, especially when it was his moment in the All-Star game. And look, if you want to have that opinion, fine. But my whole issue is just because you screw up and apologize doesn't mean you should get a standing ovation. It's just such the wrong message to send that this guy puts out dumb tweets when he's 17 he apologizes when he gets caught at 24 years old and now he goes out into pitch in the seventh inning and he's a hero i mean what kind of message are you sending to your fan base and people around the country it's just so stupid and idiotic just because you apologize doesn't mean you get a standing ovation if people want to do a light clap and just kind of move on from it fine but standing ovation was just flat out ridiculous now i did a lot of dumb things when i was 17 but he's not very far removed from being 17. He's only 24 years old. So, I mean, how much maturing can he do? And should he get a pass for saying several tweets that included the N-word and also one that said, quote, I hate gay people? That, that's just crazy. Man, here's the thing. Childish Gambino said it best. This is America because, you see, anytime the philanthropist and the philosopher known as Hova, Jay-Z, does anything... A lot of right-wing people and a lot of people who just don't like Jay-Z always want to bring up his past, which is he was a drug dealer. At one point, he shot his brother for stealing. 
Yeah, he likes to bring that up in his song. Yeah, he said he yeah, sold crack. Yeah, and he bring, but he brings it up. You feel yeah. me? He brings it up, and he even shows his transition of his development. He doesn't hide it. But no matter how much good he does, it stays with you. Now, here's the flip with that. Josh Hader, his past got brought up. His negative got brought up. But you see, the difference is that's not going to affect him anymore. It's not. It's not going to mean anything. He did it in the past. It's the past with that. He'll be remembered as that guy, though, don't uh, you think? To some people. But the thing is this. I guarantee you. A lot of these people, the Josh haters and the other people who have these crazy tweets, uh, just because of their background and who they are and where they're from, it's not going to damage them. Because in America, man, if you are attacking the right group or if you're against the right certain people or if you're against that minority, nine times out of ten, it's not really going to affect you much. And in this day and age, in this climate, that's why it doesn't surprise me when you got a whole bunch of fans clapping about it and celebrating it. Maya Angelou said best, when people show you who you are, believe them. That's Josh Hader. And to the Milwaukee Brewers, that's them. That's who these people are. That's what they agree with. That's what they're cool with. That's what they support. Because, you see, we're still in this nation where if a man takes a knee because he's against police brutality, after a Green Beret came to him and said, you shouldn't be sitting down on the bench with the national anthems going on, a Green Beret told Kaepernick that. Yeah. And then he took a knee out of respect for the flag and showing people that, hey, this is not against the anthem. This is police brutality. But now we're in a tailspin of the NFL. People divided on that issue. But when a man pops up with racist tweets and all these racial slurs and things, he gets thunderous applause. I tell you what, I had an epiphany that sporting events, they really allow adults to act like children. Oh, yeah. I mean, hell, baseball games, you got people stealing foul balls away from children. you clapping for racist and homophobe tweets. During the golf tournament, you had a guy uh, cheering during Tiger Woods' backswing. I mean, what is it? You're suddenly all the rules go out the window once you, you come to a sporting event? You can act however you feel? Depending who you are, yes, you can. Great example. I don't know if you saw this video. Last year at a Miami game, uh, there was a girl who was just going in. I mean, going in. Like, when I mean she was drunk, belligerent, slapped a police officer, and a police officer hit her back out of reaction. And that police officer got berated, and was it was crazy on Twitter. It was crazy. But here's the thing. You've seen the Bills Mafia. You've seen Raider Nation. And I'm going to say it too, my friends in Lexington. You've seen Big Blue Nation when something goes wrong. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles when they win a championship, and they riot. Mm -hmm. Oh, but hold up. Time out. But let someone in my neighborhood get shot with their hands up and then my neighborhood protests without breaking glass, without violence, without fighting. Oh, that's terrible. That's out of it. So that's the thing. It, it's In sports, it doesn't matter. As long as your team wins or your team loses, you can do whatever you want. Right, as long as he wears your jersey. Exactly. It doesn't matter if he's been suspended by the NFL for sexual assault in an Uber because if he wears my jersey, the team I like, I'm going to support him. As long as you are part of the majority, morality means nothing when it comes to sports in this nation. It's a good quote right there. Clip it. Quote that. But before we wrap up this conversation, and I bring this to you, Clay, this kind of brings up a bigger conversation and argument about people going back into uh, athletes' Twitter accounts or social media and bringing it up when they do something good. Villanova's Dante DiVincenzo during the national championship game, he goes off for 37 points, but the story is 
his comments when he was 14 years old on his Twitter account. Josh Allen, now with the Buffalo Bills, he had racist tweets and social media posts come out right before he was drafted. It seems like a new problem with people that have been using social media in the past and us as a society to see somebody in the spotlight and go try to find something negative about them so we can be outraged about it. No, there, there's no facade anymore. I mean, it's come to the point where we're, we're bitter people. And when you have anybody that has success, what's the number one thing you want to do? You want to bring them back down. And you see anytime, like you said, whether it's Josh Allen getting drafted, Dante DiVincenzo having the game of his life. And look, these people are making these mistakes, so they can't blame anybody but themselves. But as a person that just likes to sit back, enjoy sports, be in the moment, I hate having to do the next day every time Hey, Dante DiVincenzo scores 38. He's the most outstanding player of the Final Four. But we have these tweets when he was 13. And my whole thing is, first of all, the guys should be blamed for making the tweets. It's their fault. But do people really get enjoyment out of like just going back and searching through, looking for every little mistake? It's like, come on, man. It's just like... Miles seemed to disagree with you. Oh, no. Yes. People love doing that. People love... There are people who get paid to look back and try to find dirt because now we live in a society to where... We want to see you fall. No one wants to see you rise. The rise is great, but the fall is even better. Like, you think I'm playing? Golden State. Let's look at the Golden State Warriors. Small market team. They built their team through the draft. They've got all these players that a lot of people didn't want, and they're winning championship after championship after championship. Same with the Patriots, and I'm not even a Patriots fan. Who cares more if they win or who cares better if they lose? Yeah, I'm rooting for them to lose. It's all about the fall. So my thing is this. If I can find dirt on Billy after he's done made millions of dollars on radio and doing all this crazy stuff, if I can find some crazy stuff on Billy and put it on Twitter, oh, dude, that's what it's all about nowadays. But our legal system allows us to expunge juvenile records at the age of 18 for many different crimes. So why are we still allowed to pull up tweets when someone was 14 years old? Is the same principle not apply? Because that's the legal system, and this is the house of public opinion. Let me break it down for you, man. It's like the NCAA with UofL's banner and the actual legal system. The legal system throughout that Katina Powell issue because there was insufficient evidence and they could not find any wrongdoing. They didn't find enough evidence to convict. But the NCAA, with the court of public opinion, they punished Louisville on that. It's about the public of court of opinion does not care about your laws. The public, the court of public opinion only cares about what it sees. That's all that matters. Yeah, and the partisan politics in today's age has just amplified every oh, situation man. like this. But then you got people like me who just likes to watch the world burn. I don't watch TV. I just look on Twitter anyway. Like the Joker. Exactly. All right, Miles, what do we got next? I admit I done made some mistakes. And I have some imperfect ways. I admit I help so many people. And I'm saying damn people turn fake. I admit it was so hard to focus. I didn't go to classes. I admit that I dropped out of school. I admit that I wasn't that cool. All right, I don't know if you guys have heard this before, but that was sound from a new R. Kelly song called I Admit, a song that is 19 minutes long and a song that he admits to everything that he's done in his life besides what he's been accused of in the public eye. Some of the things that R. Kelly has been accused of is running an abusive and controlling cult of young women, of grooming a 14-year-old girl to be his sex pet, and giving a 19-year-old girl an STD and plying her with drugs and alcohol. So R. Kelly 
creates this 19-minute song that I'm sure most of you haven't heard, where he compares himself to Bill Cosby, says he deserves more respect, and then tells us that he's illiterate. So many things going on here. R. Kelly's a guy that I listened to a lot growing up. Remix to Ignition will probably be and forever be one of my favorite songs ever. But do you have any sympathy for this guy? Is this the right way to come out and set, try to say that he's being misunderstood and the facts aren't coming out in the right way? This is kind of a weird story. This isn't the first time R. Kelly has done this. If you listen to the Black Panties album, yes, I do have that one too. Favorite song is Cookie. Um, he even goes on to say with the song Shut Up, talking about the allegations. This song right here, it really breaks down every single thing that people have ever accused him of. And he lets us into his life of certain things that's happened. Everything, and, really. And even with him being molested as a kid, which I didn't know. And I'm a huge R. Kelly fan. Like, you can ask any of my ex-girlfriends. I am one of the biggest R. Kelly music fans ever. But on one of my podcasts... On Power Trip, we even talk about this. How do we sep do we separate morality from the music, or do we have to put them all together? Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of artists out there, not just R. Kelly, that have really great music, but they are terrible people. Like yeah. just awful, awful people. Like one of my favorite rappers is Kanye West, but he is an awful person. But he has great music, and I feel like through his pain and through his issues, he comes out with great music. Same with R. Kelly, especially because if you listen to R. Kelly, he is R&B, rhythm and blues, and he does he does see himself as a savant and a spokesman for the ladies, especially when it comes to the bedroom. That's what Young he's known. Ladies, that's too. what he's that too. But I mean, that's what he's known for. But I mean, it, it, it's kind of weird because when you listen to it, he tells you everything. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite lines in there, he's like, I want you to look up a uh, sex slave. I want to look up, look up pedophile. And I want you to see and he breaks down all the relationships and every allegation that he went through. And he's like, hey, so does this mean the same like this definition? Does this mean the same as this definition? He's, he was even showing that, hey, some of these ladies came on my own, on his own free will. And it's hard for me to believe him because he's lied about this before. So. With me, it's, it's kind of tough because I love his music, but at the same time, he's just a bad person. No, I definitely agree <laughs> that you can find creativity out of a dark place. But if you haven't heard the song yet, just go ahead and go on YouTube. I admit, 19 minutes if you can get through it. Clay, have you heard the song yet? I, I heard part of it. I, I didn't make it through the whole uh, 19 minutes. But I don't blame you. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like Miles said, you're you're confused on how you feel because in one area, you know, the molestation thing is just like, wow, you know, going through that is incredibly traumatic and something that a lot of people didn't know. And then you have all the other stuff, as you mentioned, you know, grooming girls to be sex pets and, you know, allegedly doing things illegally with girls. These aren't feel, small accusations. No, to be these are things around. that, these are things that you would go to jail for, for a long period of time. Uh, I feel, I feel for him and like, in. I don't know if he's admit. I mean, the song is I admit. I don't know if he's admitting that he screwed up and like he's trying to change or if he's just saying, hey, this is me and I'm trying to let you all know who I am or this is not me. I'm just kind of confused on what, you know, what's going on here. And, you know, if you want to make an I admit song and go five minutes. All right. Five but minutes. 19 minutes, yes. man, that's that's going to draw some attention, which was probably his goal. So congratulations. But yeah, it was. I need to listen to the song more to make a final opinion, but uh, I don't. This one will certainly get some attention. Well, yeah, he he basically admits to everything that wouldn't get him jail time. And uh, the strangest part was that he's illiterate; that he is broke because he signed away the rights to his music. 
because he could not read his contracts when he was younger. He can't write either. I think that is one of the most fascinating things. I had no idea. No, but it happens. But you also got to remember, like Mary J. Blige, she uh, even has she ha- she eventually got her GED, but she dropped out of high school. And one of the biggest issues in the black community is like you'll hear this all the time. Either you got to be able to rap, you got to be able to play ball, or you got to sell drugs to get out. In some of these impoverished communities, including mine, which is West End Louisville, there are no opportunities where there are jobs that will pay you over $35,000 a year. Remember that the median income of our city is $35,000 a year. And even myself, I can't get a job in my community. I have to get out of my community to get a job with a college degree that will pay me over a thirty-five or forty-five grand a year to hit the median income. So a lot of these people, like an R. Kelly or Mary J. Blige, they turn to music and they literally go all in. They leave everything at into reckless abandon you're talking about you give up education sometimes you give up family members and friends to target this one goal you want to do in your life music to get out of your situation Mm -hmm. and to make it better and like i told you earlier he is broke but he's not miles morton broke okay miles morton broke i look at my account right now i might have 91 dollars. he looks at his account he's broke and to the fact to where he's probably missed out on millions like we're talking about 185 millions of dollars he probably because he has platinum records back to back to back so he's probably making he probably has a good million or a hundred thousand in the bank but he could have way more you feel me especially when you say r kelly but the thing is it's not uncommon to see a lot of these famous artists and athletes not have that education because in their community education was never a priority because that education might not get you out of your situation just because you have a college degree, just because you have a high school diploma, does not mean you will not be living hand to mouth, does not mean you're going to be prepared for the world, does not mean you're going to have the same opportunities that the majority of this community, of this country has. Sometimes you're going to sit on the back burner. Sometimes you're going to have all the skills and tool sets, but unless you create for yourself or you invest in yourself like R. Kelly and Mary J. Blige has, you're not going to make it out. So believe it or not, a lot of people say education is the way out. Not in some communities. Well, to get an education to stay, you have to go in the thousand dollars of debt just to get into the baseline of being considered for a job. And yeah. like you said, many times that you can't even get a job done. Exactly. Sometimes you can literally even give your heart and soul to a company. You can be there years, two, three, four, five years, and you might not even get an email, a call back, or nothing from that same company. And you done worked all your life for that stuff and you know everything that is to happen. But here's the thing. Art Kelly, with him being illiterate, like I said, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't shock me because this is a reality in my community every day, man. You got a lot of people who given up everything to get on the level that he's at. And I'll tell you this, look at Floyd Mayweather. He struggles to read. His education is terrible. Check his bank account. 50 Cent. Issued him a challenge to read a, a chapter of a, a, a of page a of a book. Harry Potter book, <laughs> and he still hasn't done it. I'd, I'd love to see that. He, he don't have to because, hey, he's still making that bread. He's fine. You guys got anything to admit in a 19-minute song before we wrap this podcast up? Oh, the one thing I'm getting off my chest today. Oh, okay. So oh, you want to yeah. do it today. Oh, yeah. We're doing it today. The okay. one thing I want to get off my chest is I want to call out every collegiate institution. Like the programs? The programs, period. Okay. Stop lying to children. Just stop it. If you are not in the medical field, if you are not going into law or politics, quit lying to these kids saying that your education is important. And I know a lot of people are looking at me like, whoa, what do you mean? What do you mean? It is to the point now, 
I look back at my college education, then I look on YouTube, 89% of the stuff I learned at Western Kentucky, and I love me some WKU, is on YouTube. It is getting to the point now, I feel like we can now not just teach ourselves, but help create better jobs and opportunities for ourselves without going to these institutions that are really sucking us dry out of money because they're not really preparing us for the real world, believe it or not. A lot of them are showing us a pipe dream that, hey, you need college to make money in this world. You need college to get in the door. Once upon a time, a college education was a higher education that's going to get you better opportunities for your life. But yet we still have teachers that are working two and sometimes even three jobs just to maintain. Something is wrong with our higher education that we have people in college working two, three, four jobs just so they can have enough money to be broke. And I feel like we really need to start talking to college, to collegiate institutions as to why they are failing our graduates on why they can't get jobs that are going to actually sustain them for life. Well, the whole system's flawed. We paid athletes millions upon millions of dollars, and teachers are given thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. Exactly, and then have the nerve to tell a college athlete that you gotta be in my college for this amount of years before you can get a job in the pros. That ain't right. For the simple fact that you telling me I can go to Afghanistan right now with a gun in my hand at the age of eighteen, shoot down some people I don't know who've never seen me. I don't know even know why we're fighting this. And risk my life, but I can't go to the NBA straight out of high school, even though I have the t- the the, well, the that's skills an NBA and the rule. It is an NBA rule, but my thing is this, man: it, it it's it makes no sense to me that colleges are still pimping people. You're talking about tuition raises, tuition raises, books that books are scams. It's is, is unnecessary to the point half the stuff you and then you've been to college. We all in college, we've all had classes to where we maybe crack the book open once or twice. Yeah. Book costs like 120 bucks. Sell it back for five for five dollars. Twenty five, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like colleges need to be started to be held responsible to the point where even if you attend a four year institution, even if you don't graduate, I feel like if you go to college and you have some tool set, there should not be any reason why we got college attendees and college graduates that can't find jobs outside of retail. Something is not right when it comes to college. And college is failing a lot of students and putting them into more debt and making their lives a lot more harder than it really should be. What do you think, Clay? IUS, is it preparing you for the future or do you think it's a waste of time and the system's flawed? Here's what I'll say about the whole college thing. I completely agree with Miles. There's so many people from my high school that want to go be teachers. So they think, hey, let's go to Indiana University, the state school. Well, let's do the quick math here. Let's go be a Hoosier. It's 20 grand a year for tuition, throw in, you know, another 5, 6K for whatever, you know, rent, whatnot. Anyway, so you're talking 25K a year. You go four years, $100,000. I'm not even putting in the interest rates of the loan. And then you're going to be an elementary school teacher. So you're going to make, what, $30,000 a year? Now, you're already 100 grand in debt, including whatever interest rate would be, which are through the roof. How do you logically plan to pay that off. I'm with Miles. If you're a lawyer, a doctor, a high level, if you're going to be a high level business executive through the Kelly School of Business, fantastic. Go to IU. You'll be able to pay off the loans uh, over a period of time. But if you're somebody that's honestly, I, I mean, I even think about it with me, with us doing radio broadcasting, like going to IUS and saving the money and just interning here, going somewhere else, or even driving to a station across the state is really kind of the same experience you get of going to a Western or you know an IU or whatever, because you can go get that hands-on experience and you don't have to pay as much for college. IUS is $10,000 a year cheaper than IU. And I think the other areas, we're 
go we can go a whole another area with this conversation, but people need to start looking at trade schools. There's a lot of good options there. We had back in the day it was all about hey, you need to go to college because there was too many people doing construction jobs and trade jobs. Well, now the pendulum has shifted back. There's nobody doing the trade jobs and everybody's going to college, so the degree matters less. Go back and do the trade school jobs because those people make a lot of money and they don't have to drop all that money in debt and loans in college degrees. Okay, this may sound a little dumb, but is college only about education? I really enjoyed my experience at Western Kentucky, but it was much more than just the classes that I had to pay for. I joined a fraternity for a little while. You know, I matured and grew up a little bit. I learned how to live on my own. It's almost like a whole experience in the United States nowadays. And and while you guys may be right about the flawed when it comes to education and academics and setting you up for the future, Meanwhile, college still plays a role in society today that's very unique and brings people an experience that they can't find anywhere else. College is a very unique experience, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Honestly, I feel like WKU has taught me things I would have never it, – it brought me out of my comfort zone. You got a guy from Western Louisville in the middle of nowhere, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Like, I learned a lot of stuff. I met, I talked to some people I would never talk to in my life. And right, I, those sorority parties and those dollar right. beer nights. You well, can't find that exactly. just anywhere in Louisville. You can't, but my thing is this. That's a perk. The mm-hmm. goal is the problem I'm having with you. Feel me? Let's no, take yeah. our station here. Working for iHeartRadio, we get some perks. Every now and then, you might go to a concert for free. You might meet a, a a famous singer or athlete or something like that. Those are perks. But I'm gonna tell you right now, Billy. What if I told you you can have all those perks, but uh, iHeart ain't gonna pay you a dime? Well, I'd probably do it. You probably would do it. I mean, hey, look, and some people will. Me personally, I need my paper, man. Because at the, at the end of the day, and I hate to sound cocky, but this is who I am. At the end of the day, my name is Miles B, man. And I hear what you're saying with those experiences. But if I want to be in one of those groups, if I want to be around that element, you can still do it. The Bowling Green locals of WKU did it all the time. We had people who lived in Bowling Green who just came down to the parties. I, I was a party promoter. I threw parties. Right. You had people who never attended the school work on campus. And what they would do is they would go to the parties. They would chill with the fraternity people. They would do whatever they felt like. You can still get those perks without going to college. It's just about who you know and it's about your personality. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, college is failing its students because we got teachers, like I said, three and four jobs and still struggling. You got people who worked in college, who've done internship, did everything right and still living hand to mouth. And what is the institution doing? Hey, would you like to donate? How about this? Would you like to help me? And let me give a shout to WKU. We actually have a gentleman. His name is is Jaron. He's actually on Master Chef right now, cooking like literally like on the Ma- show. Yeah, the show Master Chef. Yeah. You know what WKU needs to do? Bring WKU, him back. Western Kentucky University. You need to reach out to that young man, and you need to pay him to speak to these incoming African-American freshmen since you guys still have a poor retention rate when it comes to African-American males. And tell and let him tell his story about what WKU has done to benefit him, to get him where he needs to be. He's about to be a master chef. He's on television right now. WKU needs to bring him in and pay him to speak. They need to, they, WKU needs to show that, hey, WKU is a good investment. Because that, that's, that's a good story right there. Man came out of WKU... WKU taught him some things. Now he's on TV cooking. Really? About to make... Come on, man. You See, know what happened. Here's your problem, though, Miles. Go ahead. That t- that makes too much sense. 
<laughs> and there's no common sense in today's day and age. I'm curious of what our listeners think about that subject. If you want to tweet us, I'm at Billy R Sports. Miles, what about you? Like and Miles, baby. And Clay? At Clay underscore Ables. Make sure you follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker. Like and subscribe. Oral pleasure every Wednesday night and Thursday morning. We will deliver the best sounds of the week. A podcast for the short attention span. Guys, thanks for coming out. Another great episode. Making it happen. We'll be back next week for another week in review of sports. And you guys know what time it is. For Clay Ables, Miles Morton, and Billy Rutledge, it's time for the sounds of the week. Well, I mean, I hit the ball better on the range, which gave me some confidence because I didn't feel like I've been swinging it very good this week. So, And then playing with Phil, those two things gave me something to go out there with, honestly. And... Um, I was a little hungover, I won't lie. I had too much to drink last night. And, uh, you know, I was so frustrated with yesterday that today was really, I'm not going to say a write-off, but I, I didn't feel like I was in the golf tournament. And whether I shot 69 or 73 today, I, I wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't have been heartbreaking. But um, as it happens, I shot 67. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a um, funny game. But we were just talking about how, you know, I started with the magic. I learned magic for eight years. Uh, travel to La La Land, uh, learn how to work with rockets, uh, <laughs> and I went and learned how to fly with some hawks, got stung by the hornets, <laughs> just a joke, <laughs> but <laughs> through all of that, you know, it's taught me how to be a wizard, you know, uh, so, <laughs> uh, Yes, we thought that was pretty cool. Right-handed batter with the bases loaded and two out. And Herrera swings and lines one into center. It's a base hit. And this one belongs to the Reds. I know it sounds like a harsh penalty for something unintentional and where I didn't put anything prohibited in my body. But a rule is a rule, and I accept that there is a technical violation in that I will have to do this consequences. My hair had gotten a little long, and I needed to get a haircut, so I did this morning. How much you pay? Um, I, 20 pounds, I think. I mean, it was like a nine-pound haircut, and I dipped it. <laughs> Jordan, can I just clarify? Did you just wander into Carnoustie Town Centre and find the nearest barber? And yeah, I don't even know where I went. Did they know who you are? Uh, I don't think so. They didn't really say much. They didn't really say much. He didn't really say much. I mean, I, I had to, he went a little high and tight. Um, I was, this is not, it was, it was a little bit, it was a little bit, um, it was intended to be what I normally get, and instead he went a little, he went a little shorter. Um, very British haircut, a little shaved on the sides, a little longer on top, but that's what it is. I need to open up a company for the transfer of all of that info regarding our friend David, you know, so that I'm going to do that right away. I've actually come up and I've spoken, and I've spoken to Alan Weisselberg about how to set the whole thing up uh, with funding. That, uh, yes, um, and it's all the stuff, all the stuff, because you know you never know where that company, you never know what he's going to be. Correct. So I'm I'm all over that. And I spoke to Alan about it when it comes time for the financing, which will be... Listen, what financing? We'll have to pay you. So. No, 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 no. I got... No, no, no.